a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Is that Jesus can return at any time. He's not waiting for a Japanese nuclear power plant to melt down. No. He, he, the thing that's holding him back is his patience and love for lost humanity and nothing else. Uh, there, 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 there are no events that need to occur before Jesus comes back. And so seeing all the things that happen around us and saying, hey, hey, that means Jesus is coming. The answer is, no, no, that's wrong. That's the wrong way of looking at it. Jesus can come at any moment. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. And Luther says the only way that uh, the pronoun me and God could be in the same sentence is by this verb, have mercy. I've, got, I've given myself the new nickname. I've thrown aside all the other accolades that you toss at me so freely, Evan. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, they, uh, they, they feel like wine. Bull rider. Yeah, and uh, what else am I? I can't remember. I can't remember and them I'm all either. Up. They're just too numerous. <laughs> <laughs> hey, welcome to Table Talk Radio and a happy Christmas. Hey! Hey! Oh, Merry Christmas. Yeah. Is that it already? Yeah. Man, it sneaks up on me every time we record. <laughs> I know it does. i got to remember that recording life is about a week ahead of real life. And I'm always <laughs> about a week behind of real life in real life. That's what makes this broadcast so miserable, as you don't even know what. <laughs> <laughs> miserable is a strong word. Oh, no. I, I was going to say, I by the way, I was going to post up on the Facebook here in a minute. One of the advantages of being a radio host is being able to type to text in to my tech in my phone the words "I'm hot" all the time. I, uh, I you mean, know, I, it's one of the perks of the job. You see, oh, you see really? what I'm getting at? Well, hmm. I guess. I mean, I didn't really need to be on the radio to text it all the time, but I guess for some people, <laughs> some a, people, that's, I that's could I could see that. All what right, do we well, have in store for our grand <laughs> Christmas show? A little uh, Name That Christmas Theologian and Ten Commandments in the Christmas News. Oh, nice. <laughs> See, what I do is How we just are we going to find Christmas? We've got to look for last year's news? How are we going to do that? Advent news, I suppose. <laughs> Let me check news What we here. do for our Christmas show is we play our, our normal games just had Christmas to everything. <laughs> well, and, and then the next, next week it'll be uh, the Epiphany episode. Yeah. Ten Commandments in the... Wait, no, epiphany no, praise news. that Epiphany praise <laughs> All right, let's hear your Christmas theological songs. buzzword. Oh, my Christmas theological buzzword is Pharisee. Fail. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know we were Christmas theming our buzzwords. I just made that up on the spot. All right, well, just imagine that the eye in Pharisee is blinking like with a Christmas light. Fer- reading from Theopedia... I wonder what this will say. Pharisees were Jewish Jewish sect, CT sect, or religious political party, which arose during the intertestamental period, were active during Christ's earthly ministry described in the Gospel of the New Testament. They were noted for strict observance of rites and ceremonies of the written law and for insistence on the validity of their own oral traditions concerning the law. I'm going to skip. I'm abandoning this definition. I'm giving my own. So the Pharisees started. <laughs> Pharisees come out of the... Okay, imagine this. You're Jewish. you got a temple, sacrifice, priesthood, and everything. All's good, right? Now, and, that, and you know that to be Jewish means to go to the Jerusalem a couple times a year to offer the sacrifices, to, you know, that the high priest is there every day offering... 
I mean, the temple, the altar, is central to your Judaism. Now, imagine what happens when someone comes in, like the Assyrians or whatever, and destroys your temple and your altar. And now you have the question, how can we be Jewish? I hate that. I'm against it. How can I be Jewish without an altar, without sacrifice, without the Levites, without the priesthood, etc., 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 etc.? Now, Phariseeism offers this answer. And it says we could the sacrifices of God is not the animals at the temple, but rather obedience to the law. So Phariseeism develops its own theology in answer to this question, how can you be Jewish without the sacrifices, without blood? And it becomes really a morality. Now, we often look at the Pharisees and say, man, they did a lot of good works. True enough, they did so that Jesus can say, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. But they were the kind of paradigm of righteousness. The problem is they had abandoned the sacrifices. So when you see the Sadducees and Pharisees fighting with each other, that's the temple versus the not temple. The Pharisees were lay people. They were not the priests. They had the synagogues. They didn't have the, 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 the temple. They, they, they would participate in the sacrifices, but their big thing was uh, to not have the sacrifices, which is why they loved the prophets. The prophets would come lambasting all of these wicked sacrifices because they were done to please God. And the Pharisees took that on and they say, see, look, God doesn't want the sacrifices. He wants good works. Of course, both of them were wrong because they missed the point of the sacrifice that it was pointing to Christ. Yeah. I mean, so, so, now, all of Judaism now is Phariseeism. Who, who made a really, really, really bad Pharisee was, was King David, uh, who said, uh, sacrifice is a meal offering that thou has not required, uh, but uh, God delights in a uh, contrite spirit. <laughs> so, right. so here, here comes David. I mean, I always thought about that. David writing that. Uh, uh, I mean, what sacrifices is not what God wants. That's what we're supposed to be doing. But then it says it's it's a matter of the heart. So you could come come along to down to the temple and say, Hey, here's my sacrifice. And uh, to have nothing to do with a, a contrite spirit, God did not delight in that sacrifice. Um, That's right. But but He delights in in a, a repentant heart. Now the Pharisees would have liked that text insofar as it they uh, it lets them hold it, lord it over the the heads of the Sadducees who are bragging about all of their offerings. Hey, look, we got the temple and everything, and we're really holy with our fancy priest duds here. And the Pharisees could say, look, God despises your sacrifices. Don't you read the prophets? But the problem is they replaced the sacrifice of the altar with the sacrifice of works. The both are wrong and bad. The sacrifice that the Lord desires is of repentance. And really, that comes from the sacrifice of Jesus. There it is. All right. My uh, Christmas theological buzzword for you is glory and excelsius. Which is actually a Christmas one, kind of. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, I mean, yeah, I'd say that's Christmassy. It's Christmassy, three hundred sixty-five days a year. Oh wait, except for at Advent and Lent. <laughs> uh, but glory excelsius is from the Latin that means uh, glory in the highest, and this comes from Luke chapter two. Uh, you remember how how uh, you know the shepherds are all standing there, and yeah. uh, and then this angel comes down. Or I should say, a host of angels comes down, and they they praise God, saying, "Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased." Uh, I thought they sang, "Noel, Noel." Mm, no, I don't think so. You're totally, I think Noel is the is there someone probably knows the answer to this question. Probably someone who sings the first Noel every Christmas and says, what does that word mean, Noel? How can we sing it so much? 
I think it is the French word for glory. I'm going to find out right now. Don't worry. Keep All right. Going. Appreciate that. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so anyway, um, so Glory Excelsius, the angels are, are, are singing. So now in the divine service, what, uh, what we have is a Christmas uh, hymn every Sunday um, to, to be singing as the angels did at the birth of Jesus because uh, Christ is present among us where his gifts are bestowed, that we would be singing like the angels, like glory be to God in the highest. And so this is refrained in the penitential seasons of Advent and uh, Lent so that we'd be res- we'd, we'd uh, almost hold back or restraining our, our rejoicing in the penitential season. So when Christmas comes or when Easter comes, we can sing forth that praise all the more. Apparently, Noel just means Christmas. I'm surprised you didn't know the that. First Noel, that means oh, for nativity, huh? So what? What language is it? I don't know yet. Scandinavian or something like it. that. I'm still digging. <laughs> I'm still doing hard research here. All right. Well, uh, let's, does your hard research include our inbox, Table Talk Radio? Yeah, but look, our inbox is empty, which is great because we did it all last show. So I'm going to our false. Table Talk Radio page. That is false, by the way. Oh. Okay. Yeah, well, here's one. <laughs> All right, I found one. This is from Josh. Hello, T two radio staff. Josh, we, we appreciate your email despite my co host's animosity in reading your your email. This is from Josh. I have to read this email because it's my job. I just like uh, texting people that I'm hot. <laughs> uh Josh says his full name here. I'm not gonna embarrass him by reading it on air. I'm a regular listener to your show down here in FL. Hmm, FL. Some foreign country. During the pot-smoking pastor episode, you mentioned that the desire to sin in itself was sin, or at least that's what I gathered from crunching blame it on the night section of the show. How does this nest with Christ being both tempted during his life and sinless until he took on the sin of the world? Thanks for elaborating where you can really enjoy the show best. Josh. Hey, thanks, Josh, for the email. Uh, so I think what we would do, um, and correct me if uh, I'm wrong, Pastor Wolf, okay. but I think no what we do is draw a distinction between the desire to sin and temptation. Right. So that temptation comes from the outside um, in that uh, the devil is uh, is coming along and tempting Jesus. And something that Jesus didn't have that we have is the sinful nature. <laughs> and so... Um, we we may be tempted even by the sinful nature, which is why we would confess that is is sin. But uh, Jesus can endure the temptations of the devil, not to say that Jesus was desiring to sin, but that the devil is trying to get him to sin. Yep. W- whereas we have the desire to do what is wrong, and we're confessing then that we have that sinful nature. And that's what we confess, and that's what we're absolved of and cleansed of in holy baptism. I concur. On to the Facebook page. Oh, I'm sorry. We're all out of time. Uh, Don't worry, though. We'll be uh, right back, and we're going to play Name That Christmas Theologian here on Table Talk Radio. We need your emails at questions at tabletalkradio.org. No, hold off for a week. Because we don't have a Facebook page to talk about. Or you can give us a call. Facebook.com slash slash tabletalkradio. See you there.
Table Talk Radio, a radio show that gives the opportunity to cope with disappointment week after week. That's a nice Christmas hymn. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. It <laughs> really puts me in the mood. I hear those. I hear that bass, that thump, thump, and I just think of, you know, chestnuts. <laughs> I think of Noel. <laughs> How's your research coming, by the way? For Noel, I got distracted. Something else. Something different. Shock. You don't even probably remember what we were, we were supposed to be doing right now. Uh, yeah, something Christmassy. <laughs> Real Christmassy. Get some eggnog. Do you like eggnog, by the way? Yeah. It goes good with rum. Or <laughs> what is the other way? Yeah, that's the way to say it. You wouldn't say rum goes good with eggnog. That'd no, be putting no. it backwards. That's okay. the cart before the horse right there, friends. Okay. Well, uh, Speaking so- of alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh-oh. I got this great. I was. I should have made alcohol the buzzword, theological buzzword. I got this great you made Chesterton Chester- Yeah, you should have made Chesterton your... Um, your uh, theologian, but too late. I don't think that's Christmassy. Chesterton talking about how alcohol is a, invented by some Muslim. Now, is it true that that someone who is on our Facebook fan page doesn't need to hear this because you've already put it on there? No, I didn't put it on our fan page. I put it on my own personal page. There's different spaces in the Facebook. Is there anyone that is uh, not your personal friend that's on our f- fan page? I think so. I don't know exactly. I haven't counted all the thousands of people. What, what's your friend number at? 2,682, <laughs> it says here. And how many of those do you know? Oh, yeah, all of them. I got lots more friends than that. Here's my first Christmas quote. Ready. Oh, Jesus Christ, thy manger is my paradise <laughs> at which my soul reclineth. For there, O Lord, doth lie the word, made flesh for us, herein thy grace forth shineth. Why are you laughing? Did you have that same quote? Not the quote. <laughs> Go ahead. I, I'm interested to hear this quote. Uh, that's it. That's the first quote for you. Well, we usually get three. Well, you want another one? Yeah, Don't one you want to speculate? Nope. Wonder about what it is? Mm-mm. Give some reflection on where you think I might be reading from? Boy, I I even hate to he- hesitate a guess right now. So I need you, another quote. Uh, t- to, you, you could talk about how uh, you, it sounds like it's translated, but I'm not sure. Go on all yeah. sorts of it sounds, flights of it fancy. Sounds very, uh, sounds very rhymey to me. So um, <laughs> I'm going on that direction so far. He whom the sea and wind obey doth come to serve the sinner in great meekness. Thou, God's own Son, with us art one, dost join us and our children in our weakness. That's probably talking about Jesus, um, but I need another quote to be sure. The light and grace our guilty face, thy heavenly riches all our loss retrieving, Emmanuel, thy birth doth quell the power of hell and Satan's bold deceiving. Hmm. Is Is that all I get? No more. The world may hold her wealth and gold, but thou, my heart, keep Christ as thy true treasure. To him hold fast until at last a crown be thine and honor in full measure. Nice. This, I happen to know the source because... Knowing it is cheating on our show. <laughs> Here we reward only ignorance. 
<laughs> Obviously. You, if you know, if you're like, oh, I recognize that, then you should just lose points because it takes all the fun out of it. Okay. Well, pretend like you're pretend like you're a listener. That, that's gonna be that tough. Doesn't know about this. I'm, that means I'm never gonna get points then. <laughs> oh, all knowing. <laughs> uh, but this happens to be one of my Christmas hymns. My yeah, favorite Christmas. Yeah, boy, Christmas hymn. All right. Um. So this is this is really nice. Um. Oh, Jesus Christ, thy manger is um, my paradise at which my soul reclineth. So you get this picture of a uh, of uh, this this manger, maybe stuffed with hay, where a little uh, baby is, is laying. And you're saying, hey, look, that's my paradise. And you're kind of going, what? My paradise is not like on a beach what? or something like that. That's um, how the kids say it these days. What? <laughs> thanks for keeping us hip. Um, Cable Talk what? Radio, completely irrelevant to your teenagers. <laughs> um, I'm gonna put that. I'm gonna make that on, edit on my Insta face. What? A uh, picture of so, the. Uh, uh, that'll be it. Okay, so here, imagine this on Instagram: <laughs> a picture of some hay, and then someone says, "This is my paradise," and then underneath it says, "What?" That's spelled W A A A. That's a crazy meme. Anyway, um, so but how is it then that that place of a manger could be a? Uh, uh, a place of paradise. Well, that's because the one who was born there is the one who dies for our sins. Uh, the one who was born to to live a life. Have you ever thought about this? The reason Jesus is born into human flesh is so that he can spill blood. Because uh, before the incarnation, there's no blood of his to spill. And he, and he is coming to make atonement for our sins. So he, he enjoins himself to flesh and blood to have flesh to be crucified and blood to spill for the atonement of all of our sins. I thought about that before. Yeah. So this is uh, our friend Paul Gerhardt. Hey, 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 Right. I need a piece of paper to write down your points. That's right. You need a big piece of paper. Well, all you're getting is this note card. Got it. All right. E.G. 500 points. Boom, shakalaka. All right, you ready? Paul Gerhardt. I'm I ready. A, I have a quote for you. Okay. Um, <clears throat> starts off by quoting Hebrews 2.11. He is not ashamed to call them brothers. We may have difficulties calling some people brothers or sisters. We may do it with our lips, but our heart is hard, both emotionally and intellectually. There are people who are so completely different. They can have so many bad habits, such a, a lack of hygiene, like Pastor Wolfmuller, such Take a lack easy. of the simplest concepts of justice that it can seem impossible to have anything truly in common with them. Yet the difference between them and us is nothing compared to the difference between us and God. Nevertheless, Scripture says about Christ and man, he is not ashamed to call them brothers. Ooh. This sounds like some sort of Christmas reflection or essay by some modern theologian. Because I don't think in the ancient world they were so worried about hygiene. <laughs> I know that because I watch a bunch of Mel Gibson movies, and everyone in them is so dirty, you can almost smell them through the screen. So that's why I know that. So, uh, so here we look at people and we say, boy, you're quite different than me. I'm not sure you count as my brother. But that little difference between me and that person is nothing compared to the gulf between me and the creator of the world. 
and yet it's talking about how Jesus is pleased to call us brother. This is really quite stunning. So that Jesus in his incarnation bridges this huge gap, this nearly infinite gap between the creator and the creation. That's nice. I have no idea who this is <laughs> yet. Yet. I'm going to sniff it out, though. You want so. another quote, then? Oh, yeah. Do okay. I ever. We have become so accustomed to this fantastic thought that we have heard so many times that Jesus loves us, such as in the reading from Hebrews, that we don't really comprehend the implications. The first Christian did how the first Christians did, however. When Christ came to us as our brother, it meant that he would suffer death. We were so different and so far away that the abyss could not be abridged with anything less than Christ's death. He partook in flesh and blood so that he, who was God, would be able to suffer and die. It was really the only way that he might destroy the one who has the power over death, that is, the devil. Here, we encounter the dismissal—sorry, oh, let me try that again. Here, we encounter this, the dismal fact that we come across with every step of Jesus' life. There is a power that destroys God's creation. It is a real power. It must be brought to its knees— we can't handle it alone. Christ became one of us in order to help us. He suffered and was tempted. He met the other power to deliver all those who, uh, uh, through fear and death, were subject to lifelong slavery. Hmm. So this is some sort of meditation on Hebrews chapter 2, or sermon, and it's beautiful. I th- I see, I think it can only be a Lutheran. I haven't I mean, I haven't heard something that would say that it's not a Lutheran, uh, which me- makes me think it is a Lutheran, but I'm not sure what I, what kind of false doctrine would come in there. Um, but still, I do not. It seems it seems like because of the intra- the because of the interest in the psychological and the therefore kind of existential thing with of the gospel, that this is going to be one of our mid-century German theologians um but i cannot place it yet still i get one more quotation right you do but we only have a minute left in this segment so i'm gonna um save your final quotation for segment three of table talk radio all right and uh, i'm gonna start looking segment at segment three how did we get so far already i haven't even done anything yet. you know they say that time flies when you're having fun so uh-huh. That's wrong, obviously. No, <laughs> we've just dis- we've disproven that. <laughs> All right, we do uh, want to hear from you by giving a call one eight hundred three eight five SOLA or sending us an email questions at Table Talk Radio. Also, on our website, we have this fantastic little tab on our website that says articles, and if you click on our articles tab. Uh, you have all kinds of uh, fascinating things that you can line your uh, hamster cage with. An article about dispensationalism um, by Pastor Wolfmuller. Uh, an article from Pastor Wolfmuller about the uh, the the curb of the law, the voters. Do you have any articles up there? Um, somewhere in there. But but I mean, if people are looking for things to you know to line the the pet's cage with, there's plenty of articles up there that they could use. Um, you know, like yeah. this, like this praise song cruncher, or Your um, public service. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. Oh, you, there, there's the worldview catalog. That's up there too. So, I mean, 
all kinds of things that could keep you distracted at, at work or wh- wherever else. Um, they're there for you at tabletalkradio.org. Also, buy a T-shirt with our faces on it. You don't want to miss that. Don't go away. Table Talk Radio. The disaster continues. All right, Pastor Wolf Mueller. You, what was uh, that song? You have received two quotes. Um, I don't know. I'll, I'll send you my Pandora so you can uh, listen to it later. Sweet. Uh, you have two quotes so far for this mystery Christmas theologian. You have one more coming to you, and right. you are hoping and praying that this last quote uh, gives some kind of revelation of who this theologian might be. I am hoping that very thing. It's like you read my mind. <laughs> well, here it is. Good luck. Many try to escape this bondage by simply not thinking about death. They stick their head in the sand. They are There are those who have never seen a dead person, but nothing can change the fact that our lives become shorter every day. Death is the only certain thing in our future. For every year that goes by, more and more sand falls through the hourglass, and there oh. is no way of knowing how much is left. So are the days of our lives. <laughs> Did you know I was thinking that? <laughs> oh, man, now you're onto the theologian. Death no, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not yet. I still am not. <laughs> death, death holds us fast within its grasp. There is no opportunity for escape. But the seriousness of death's power is something no one can imagine. What's crucial is that there is someone who has power over death. Just as there is a good will behind life, there is an evil will behind death. It's good for us that we have Christ. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know who this is. It's got to be someone new. It's a it's a preacher kind of thing. I don't know why you would be reading a new sermon, a modern sermon by some preacher. <laughs> I do not know who this is, so I'm gonna say who. who did, I'm gonna say Oswald Beyer. You want to uh, double or nothing? No, <laughs> I didn't want to guess the first time. Uh, you were looking for Bo Gertz. Oh, Bo Gertz. They're the same in my mind. <laughs> How do you distinguish Beyer and Gertz in your in your head, in your theological discerning head? Um, Bo Gertz is a bit more easier to understand, <laughs> first okay. of all. Uh, this is in his uh, To Live With Christ Daily Devotions uh, book that CPH put out. Aha. Uh-huh. Good old CPH. Have we, spon- have we sponsored anything by CPH in a while? No, we have not. I love him, though. Okay. All right, I'm ready for another theologian. All right, here it is. This gospel is so clear it requires very little explanation, but it should be well considered and taken deeply to heart, and no one will receive more benefit from it than those who, with a calm, quiet heart, banish everything else from their mind and diligently look into it. It's just as the sun, which is reflected in calm water and gives out vigorous warmth, but when it cannot be so readily seen, nor can it give out such warmth in water that is roaring and in rapid motion. Therefore... 
If you would be enlightened and warmed, if you would see the wonders of divine grace and have your heart aglow and enlightened, devout and and joyful, go where you can silently meditate and lay hold of this picture deep in your heart, and you will see miracle upon miracle. But to give the common person a start and a motive, a motive to contemplate it, we'll illustrate it in part and afterwards enter into it more deeply. That is a really complicated hymn. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> um, can you can you summarize what that said? <laughs> yeah, this is what it said. It said, uh, "Hey, if you want to have benefit from meditating on the gospel of Jesus' uh, birth, then you got to be uh, you have to have a calm heart." That's the basic gist of it. Mm. And thus, with a calm heart, meditating on the Lord's word, you will benefit greatly from it. Ah, yes, I like that. Let's see uh, what else you got. First, behold how very ordinary and common things are to us that transpire on earth, yet how high they are in regard to heaven. On earth it occurs like this. Here's a poor young woman, Mary of Nazareth, not highly esteemed, but out of humblest citizens of the village. No one is conscious of the great wonder she bears. She is silent, keeps her own counsel, regards herself as the lowliest in town. She starts out with her husband, Joseph. Very likely he had no servant, and he had to do the work of master and servant, so that she, and that she, that of mistress and maid. They were therefore obliged to leave their home unoccupied or commend it to the care of others. Now they evidently owned an ass upon which Mary rode, although the gospel does not mention it, and it is possible that she went on foot with Joseph. Imagine how she was despised at the inns and stopping places on the way, although worthy to ride in, a, in state in a chariot of gold. Hmm. So this sounds to me like you are probably reading from a sermon, a Christmas sermon, it sounds like, um, which uh, I think would put Luther as a prime candidate for this theologian, um, because I happen to know that you have the complete uh, sermon works of uh, Martin Luther. (laughs) Jealous? Uh, I have it too. Um, So far, that's that's all I got to work on, though. L- a little okay. bit uh, less profound than uh, than yours, like uh, going off of the <laughs> German uh, theologians because of its appeal to the intellectual. Holy cow! <laughs> the evangelist shows how, when they arrived at Bethlehem, they were most insignificant and despised, so that they had to make a way for others until they were obliged to take refuge in a stable to share with the cattle, lodging, table, bedchamber, and bed while many a wicked man sat at the head in the hotels and was honored as Lord. No one noticed or was conscious of what God was doing in that stable. He lets the large houses and costly apartments remain empty, lest their inhabitants eat, drink, and be merry. But this comfort and treasure are hidden from them. Oh, what a dark night this is for Bethlehem, that it was not conscious of that glorious light. See how God shows that he utterly disregards what the world is, has, or desires. And furthermore, that the world shows how little it knows or notices what God is, has, and does. This is nice. Um, so, so you have, first of all, the humility of, of Mary and Joseph coming on what was apparently probably a donkey or something like that. Um, and then uh, who they come to the inn, uh, no, no room. Well, who is there but the, the rich, the kings, the whomever? Uh, they're, they're, those of the world are taking up all the space at the inn. And yet here you have in, in, this, in this little baby um, the 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 one who created heavens and earth. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's just amazing. Uh, so so God has created all things. He's he's created the the stars and the universe and all the planets. And then he comes to earth. And there's uh, 
well, nowhere to lay his head, as as he as he clearly says later in the gospel. So, I'm I'm still locking on that this is a sermon, and I'm gonna guess that this is by Martin Luther. That means you got it. That's Woo. the bell for you got it. Two in a row. You have a millennia of points. Awesome. A chiliasm of points. And how many points do you have, Pastor Wolfman? I, I don't I don't have any, except for I might have used the buzzword, but I forgot what it was. <laughs> I'm pretty sure oh, you Oh, glory didn't. and Celsius. Uh, nope. I don't think I used it yet. All right. I have another uh, quote for you. Are you ready? Uh, yeah. Oh, psh, ah, psh, psh, yeah. Okay, then. <laughs> Here, it is. Here it is. I'm offended that you had to ask. Now, in the manger, we may see God's Son from eternity, uh, the gift from God's eternal throne. Here clothed in our poor flesh and bone. Alleluia. The Virgin Mary's lullaby calms the infant Lord Most High upon her lap, con- uh, con- uh, sorry, upon her lap content in he who keeps the earth and sky and sea. Alleluia. This is some sort of poem. Hmm. That's how I say poem, by the way. Hmm. Poem. Any reflections so more, far? Uh, does it sound more um, kind of haughty to say poem? Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful poem. I'd love to hear the next stanza of that poem, please. Okay. The light eternal breaking through made the world to gleam anew. His beams have pierced the core of night. He makes us children of the light. Alleluia. Now, this uh, is some sort of hymnic poem (laughs) about Christmas. And you will notice, dear listener, how one of the marks of the Christmas poetry is that it is dealing with these great contrasts of the creator becoming part of the created of light and darkness and of all of these wonderful themes. It's quite wonderful. So the, the, uh, the one who created the stars is resting in a manger. The one who's bigger than the universe is tiny is held in her mother's arms, his mother's arms, Mary's arms, this kind of thing. Uh, that, and, and this, this also is doing that. So, uh, but I, I would like so maybe you got a couple more. Probably this poem, whatever it is, has about forty verses. <laughs> uh, the very Son of God, sublime, entered into earthly time to lead us from the world of cares to heaven's courts as blessed heirs. Alleluia. Okay, this one is also interested not only in the facts of Christmas but in the benefit of Christmas. Note that, please. How it's just, it's how it's talking about the purpose of Christ's incarnation as our eternal life. So Jesus comes to us so we can go to him. That's this other great uh, theme. Got another? I'll give you two more real quick, and then uh, we'll be out of time. In Ooh. poverty he came to earth, showing mercy by his birth. He makes us rich in heavenly ways, as we, like angels, sing his praise. Alleluia. Hmm. All this for us our God has done, granting love through his own Son. Therefore, all Christendom rejoice and sing his praise with endless voice. This has got to be an older one because we don't say the word Christendom anymore. That's Pax Nix, or however you say in Latin, to be said no more. Uh, So it's got to be an older one. It's got to be Reformation theologian or older. Uh, It's short stanzas, so that leads me to think that... But it didn't end with a doxology, so I don't think it's an old Latin hymn. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to mull this one over during the break and come back with a guess. 
All right, you think about that one and see if you can figure out who the theologian was. This bump is helping me get in the mood, yeah, too. because you are an all-star. And let's see if you're an all-star <laughs> guesser like I am, uh, having a thousand Table Talk Radio songs. Don't know it. Hey, now, you're an all-star. Get your game on. Go play. Hey, now, you're a rock star. Get the show on. Get The most persevering listeners in radio. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. What was that? Was that you or the song? That was a song. That's my that's my part in all these songs. To yell or screech or something. Yeah, this is our bump music to reach out to our all our uh, ESL listeners. English oh. is a second language. Uh, all for this. I do. Do you know God... that there are? I wonder if there are people trying to learn English from listening to Table Talk Radio. That is a frightful <laughs> thought. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine someone? They, they speak English like us. <laughs> Pronouncing all the silent letters. <laughs> you mean you mean like you? <laughs> all I learned from table about. talk radio. <laughs> T all squared right, well, R. You, you have this quote before you uh, and others, but uh, others like it. But it says, "All for this our God has done, granting love through His own Son. Therefore, all Christendom rejoice and sing His praise with endless voice." Alleluia. I do not know what this is, but I think it's some. Christmas song written by some medieval theologian. I'm going to say, hmm. I'm going to say, you know, you know what I'm going to guess? I, I'm going to just, just out of the blue here. I think this sounds a little bit like these short little stanzas sounds a little bit like another hymn that our old Lutheran buddy, Philip Melanchthon wrote. I'm going to lark say that this is a, a some sort of Christmas hymn by Melanchthon. <laughs> was that even close? Was it at least a Christmas hymn or just a poem? It was a Christmas hymn. Why didn't I know it? This is from that mysterious uh, medieval theologian known as Martin Luther. Oh, sh- <laughs> This is hymn 382 in your Lutheran service book. We oh. praise you, Jesus, at your birth. Well, oh, you didn't read the first stanza. Well, of course not. That would give it away. <laughs> <laughs> I read stanzas two through seven, though. <laughs> Look at here. Stanza one is by Martin Luther. Stanzas two to seven are by Gregory J. Wismar. Oh, no, you're right. <laughs> oh, look at that. Well, you didn't guess him either. <laughs> you read all the stanzas except for the one written by Luther. That's true. <laughs> That's a tricky game to play on us, dear hymnal committee. <laughs> That's right. This is a great Luther hymn, at least the first 16% of it. The, le- the rest of it was born by some guy you can go and meet. He was born in 46. <laughs> That's really it... That's really funny. <laughs> anyway, take me out in the news. I got, a, I got a fascinating little article for you. You ready? All right. Yep. It says, uh, Nornstrom fires employee over Facebook post. 
Oh, man. How come you every time it's time for Ten Commandments in the news, you just do a Google search for a face? I haven't done that in a long time. But no, I didn't have to Google it. It says this is out of Portland, Oregon. Uh, Nordstrom fired a worker in Portland who advocated killing police officers on his personal Facebook page. Oh. Nordstrom is doing damage control after a comment posted by an employee on his personal Facebook page. That's redundant. In response, a uh, recent po- uh, sorry. In response to recent police shootings, Aaron Hodges posted this to his personal account: "Every time an unarmed black man is killed, you kill a decorated white officer on his doorstep in front of his family." Woof. Even on the street, the comment drew a strong reaction. The man has taken down his Facebook and Twitter accounts, but a screenshot has been circulating online and drawn harsh response. Critics have gone after uh, Nordstrom, where Hodges proudly worked as the company's downtown Portland location. Uh, His personal Facebook page included a photo and link to the retailer. Nordstrom apologized on social media and explained the employee has been fired. Poof. Yeah, that's a that's bad. This whole thing is um, this police and the and the killing. I think you have two different because we've had two different killings recently of uh, unarmed black men. One by that chokehold in New York that was just kind of abominable. The other one was the guy that was running from robbing the thing. This whole thing is a bit of a mess. Mm-hmm. You know, I was reading some G.K. Chesterton this morning. And he was talking about how we can only now speak of war and peace because we're materialists. And we completely lack the ability to speak of the moral uh, something required to stand behind peace. So because we, we, hmm. we and this and if that was true then in like 1907, whenever he was writing that stuff. It's certainly true now that we can, we we have the we don't have the capacity to talk about what makes an ordered society. We we just we have kind of this lawlessness. We 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 talk about antinomianism as a theological thing, but we have it also on a on a cultural level. Is that we just don't have um, any sort of sense that there should be an order and good and things beautiful in the world. Bad, I that's bad. Hmm. Got it. Mm-hmm. I, I'm curious what you think about um, how you could potentially be fired based upon what you say in your Facebook page. You, well, yeah, of course you can. You, this is the the weird thing about Facebook and Instaface and and the Twitterberg and all this everything else is that it is public. It is the public square. So we, that's why we're so happy you're not there. You know, <laughs> just confusing things, messing things up. But it's public. We treat these things like they're private, and they are not. Everything that goes onto the face page is a public thing, and people are always so surprised. Like people, oh, you saw my, you saw what I put. What? That's you posted it on the internet for the world to see. Okay, let me try to throw something else at you, just just to kind of uh, make the conversation fun. Uh, I mean, obviously, um, I think already. most. <laughs> well, you're the only one. Uh, so <laughs> most people, I think, would identify what this uh, particular employee said is is pretty uh, ridiculous. Um, obviously, I mean, condoning uh, murder of our of our officers. But do people have the right to free speech, and should you be terminated from your employment based upon your extreme views? What do you think? Oh, of course. So the right to free speech has nothing to do with employment. I mean, free speech is a government thing. That's how that's the that's how we stand in relationship to the government, not how we stand in relationship to our boss or, by the way, our parents. Children 
have a right of free speech according to the government, but not according to their parents. Uh, the parents can regulate speech, and so can your employer, by the way. They can say, hey, you, if you say that sort of stuff, because we, you, you can hire and fire at, uh, at will in most places. I mean, I don't know exactly the law behind it, but so, so but that's good, you know. So, so you you do not have the right of free speech. Uh, I mean, you do in regard to the state, but not in regard to uh, the parishioners in the congregation. And if you, you exercise your right of free speech to tell people to worship Baal or Allah, I guess it's the same, then you uh, you would be fired. Or, or, or even, or I mean, obviously that because I'm preaching false doctrine. But even if it was a matter of of not necessarily false doctrine, but if I just said some kind of grotesque joke or something in the pulpit, and they said, look, this is not appropriate, you're yeah. out of here. Yeah, the Lord does not give us the right of free speech, by the way. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, is, mm-hmm. he, he would govern our speech by his law. And I suppose that's also true. You, know, I say, you just can't say anything you want. I mean, especially when you start saying things that threaten people's lives, then mm. yeah, uh, yeah, that yeah. speech uh, becomes illegal. So I want to give uh, some time for your story. So I need some commandments out of this one real quick. Uh, seventh commandment, that has to do with work. Fifth commandment, has to do with murdering people. Eighth commandment, that has to do with Facebook. <laughs> okay, here's my article. Texas passes Merry Christmas bill to fight war on Christmas. Okay. This is from the Huffington Post. I'm sure they'll be very generous on this. <laughs> Christian, Christmas may be seven months away, but Texas is ready for it. State lawmakers there waged their own battle against the so-called War on Christmas on Friday, passing legislation, House Bill 308, that allows public school teachers to say Merry Christmas or Happy Hanukkah and display Christmas trees, nativity scenes, or menorahs. Winter displays must represent more than one religion or include secular symbols. That doesn't seem like that much of a victory. While the legislation specifies that schools may not constitutionally favor one religion over a number, the bill is named for only one religion's holiday, Christmas. Quote, teachers have enough on their plate to worry about whether the school district's going to be sued or if they can call Christmas tree a Christmas tree, said State Representative Dwayne Bohawk, who sponsored the legislation. He told KTBC in Austin that uh, he came up with the idea when a six-year-old son told him about how he had decorated the holiday tree with holiday ornaments. <laughs> I was a little bit flabbergasted and a little bit upset that we've become so politically correct that we can't call a federal holiday by its name, said Bohawk. Uh, this other guy introduced the companion bill in the Senate. Uh, fear, he feared it was becoming less culturally acceptable to openly celebrate these holidays, holidays in ways past generations have. Have you ever noticed all these people who complain about uh, how people say Merry Christmas and things like that are never complaining about the days off they get from work on Christmas? <laughs> like, hey, I, I don't celebrate Christmas, so I'd like to come in and work on Thursday. <laughs> I mean, you never... I saw, you know what, how, what, we've, what it's come to in, the, in our day? I was going through the McDonald's the other day uh, for my uh, noontime meal. And uh, I noticed that they said they're open for 24 hours on Christmas Day. Hmm. So in case I get hungry or thirsty or whatever, I can go to McDonald's on Christmas. They're, they're, even, they're not even closed. Hmm. I'm against it. You think McDonald's should close? Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I guess they have enough Muslim employees that people aren't celebrating Christmas or whatever. Or they, you know, it is fascinating, and I would guess not a coincidence that all of these uh, religions have a holiday around December. Um, I suppose there are some coincidence there, but in other cases, like you know, the atheist group are are promoting festivists, you know, things like that, which is in December to try and contradict. 
Uh, we're going to have a First Commandment uh, issue with that and uh, some other things as well. First Commandment, at least. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Where the points are like all the calories I'm going to get from McDonald's on Christmas Day. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this edition of Table you Talk Radio. Though. Table Talk Radio is not for everyone. Please consult your pastor before listening to Table Talk Radio. Side effects may include nausea, vomiting, headache, heartburn, hair loss, hallucinations, and aversion to your complete chances with aquatic injury, psychosis, coma, death, halitosis, lung cancer, brain tumors, sleep pain, internal bleeding, internal combustion, a sudden craving to smell your vaccine, claustrophobia, an uncontrollable urge to fight your tablets on Twitter, and falling off the treadmill. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org. I'm just getting a movie.